My name is Frank Scholdeis. I'm a producer-director with RTE's Investigations Unit. Last year, I came across a legal case at the European Court of Justice involving a Polish man and a recruitment agency formerly based in Dublin, the Adlanko Rymek Group. At its peak, Adlanko Rymek had over 50,000 workers on its books, a remarkable Irish success story by any standards, although those achievements were beset by a series of controversies. Why was Adlanko, a subsidiary of the Adlanko Rymek Group, being taken all the way to the highest court in the EU, the European Court of Justice in Luxembourg? I set about tracking down the Polish man involved in the Adlanko case. It would take me two months to find him. The story that followed almost beggars belief. And it brings the entire EU legal system into disrepute. January 2015, I'm on board a flight to southern Poland. I'm looking for a Polish man named Bogdan. Bogdan Chain. What do I know about the legal case being taken in Bogdan Chain's name? It centres around social insurance, or PRSI, as we'd call it here in Ireland. Isabella? Yeah. Hello. Hello. Good to see you. Good to see you. How are you doing? Thank you, I'm well. Great. Yeah. Bogdan doesn't speak English and I don't speak Polish. His niece, Isabella, an English teacher, travels from Warsaw to meet me in Stilova Vola, where Bogdan lives. The name translates literally as Steelworks, a purpose-built industrial city that doesn't seem to have a centre. So they would like to, t- to know the exact time when we will be there. <laughs> if we can be there in ten minutes. Stelova Vola is a maze of high-rise apartment blocks. Bogdan, his wife Barbara and their two children live on the seventh floor. His daughter has a spinal condition. Major surgery is required, something which Bogdan is saving towards. I can hear it. <laughs> Hello. 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 Nice to meet you. Frank, my aunt. Hello. Hello. Thank you. I was looking forward to meeting Bogdan. He was recruited by Adlanko when the Irish company had a Polish office in Krakow, 99 miles away. Bogdan. Hello. Frank. Frank Schultes. Cześć! How are you? Yeah. Oh, good. Okay, so you don't need an interpreter. Good to meet you, Bogdan. Nice to meet you too. I have been waiting long for you. When the steel industry collapsed in Poland, Stilova ran out of jobs. Forced to look abroad for work, Bogdan signed up with the Irish company in 2009 when he was 55 years of age. He's on the company books as a steelmaker, a locksmith, a carpenter, a welder. But he's also a driving instructor and even a qualified ophthalmologist. How did you get in contact with the Atlanco company, how did that come about? Uh, they were advertising, you know, some job vacancies uh, here um, in the press uh, and on, t- on TV, and he saw an advertisement there. And he said that uh, 400 people then went uh, to Finland from here. Bogdan's problems with Atlanco began during his time in Finland. 
the company deducted tax from him, despite Finnish law saying that he was exempt from tax. He never saw that money again. Needing work to support his family, he took another six-month job with Atlanco, this time in Norway. His wage slips said tax was deducted, but as Bogdan would discover, the money was not paid to the Norwegian government. Worse still, he was personally liable for it. <coughs> the amount of 4,000 uh, euro was simply... Being changed. More than 4,000 euro, so simply was as if taken by them, by the company. It disappeared. And how did he discover that the tax had not been paid? Mm-hmm. The Norwegian government, uh, the tax office, in a way, uh, they contacted him. They sent a tax bill to you. You said it had been paid. They said it hadn't been paid, so you had to pay it again. Oh, no, they are. <laughs> yes. Barbara, what was your feeling about what was going on in, with the company, with Atlanco and Bogdan? I just, she was so shocked, you know, that in a way she almost, you know... Uh, they were scared. When you say you were scared, was it that Bogdan would be now in trouble? No, oczywiście. No, jakżeż nie? Yes, yes. That was that fear. He has never been a criminal and he has never been chased by any kind of institution, so that's how he felt. In June 2014, Bogdan was working in Germany, not for Atlanco, when he suffered a heart attack on a construction site. Since then, he's been unable to work and is awaiting state approval for a disability pension. This is why proper payment of social insurance for workers across the EU is so vitally important. Every year, hundreds of thousands of Europeans cross borders within the EU to find work. With each member state having its own revenue systems, the costs of social insurance can vary widely from country to country. For a recruitment company, for example, if they could pay social insurance for all their workers using the cheapest rate in the EU, the savings would run into millions of euros. The principle within the EU is that migrant workers like Bogdan, who pay social insurance in the different countries they work in, are then entitled to claim benefits in their own country when they return home. But Bogdan has a problem. He can't get the correct papers to show that his Irish employer paid social insurance over the entire period he worked for them. And as a result, he has been refused his disability pension in his home country, Poland, leaving him with no income. You were 61, age 61. Uh-huh. He will turn 62 in May. Your options, the disability pension. This is the, you know, the last straw. If he gets it, he doesn't know. There is a law in Poland that in a way for over the last 10 years of working, you have to document somehow, you know, five of them. And, and he worked in Atlanta for over three years, so now he doesn't know how to calculate it. Bogdan's family now depends on his wife Barbara's modest teacher's salary. He has no income, the family's savings are gone. Exhausted by the 4,000 euro tax bill, Bogdan had to send to Norway. The reason I've travelled to Poland is to understand just how Bogdan Chain became involved in a legal case against Adlanko at the European Court of Justice. 
Do you know anything about a legal case being taken against Adlanko? No, he doesn't at the moment. The reason I was asking you is because it says this is Bogdan Chain versus Adlanko. Mm-hmm. She, so she asked, did you do this? It's, it's strange. Um, you don't know anything about it? And he says, no, I don't. But you're not involved. No, no, he isn't. Nobody can take a case mm-hmm. for you without your permission. So have you given permission to anybody? No. The case was taken in Cyprus. And again, she says that in a way you didn't do it, so someone simply, you know, just uh, used your identity. The court in Cyprus said, uh, we can't decide on this, we don't understand it. Mm-hmm. So they have referred the case to the European Court of Justice. My God. She said that in a way Bogdan didn't do that, so he didn't sue anyone, and he didn't bring any, you know, any case to any lawsuit, you know, and lawsuit to, you know, to any court. So Bogdan has not sued anybody, yeah, no, including no, Atlanta. No, no. You see, with your own eyes, that Bogdan is not the one, yes, who who started the proceedings. So what what next is going to happen? It's been a strange day. I had the idea that this was a David and Goliath story in the arena of the European Court of Justice. Now it seems that David doesn't even know he's in the arena. Both Barbara and Bogdan are shocked by today's revelations and clearly have a lot on their minds when they go to evening mass. A singer in the parish choir has the voice of an angel. Although Atlanco Rymec Group headquarters were in Dublin, its subsidiary Atlanco, the company that employed Bogdan, was registered in Cyprus. Why? Because if a company registers in Cyprus, it may be able to tap into cheap rates of social insurance. And when you're dealing with thousands of workers, this can add millions to company profit margins. And so the trail leads from Poland to Nicosia, 1,200 miles away. Santa Rosa. Santa Rosa area is here. Okay, thank you. Oh, there it is, uh, Chapo. Yeah, Chapo. yeah, yeah. The turning point here came when the Cypriot government suddenly stopped issuing work permits to Atlanco. No official explanation was given. But the decision would force Atlanco to pay more expensive rates of social insurance around Europe for their employees, seriously cutting company profits. In response, Atlanco sued the state of Cyprus. That's what makes Bogdan Chain's case so important. The outcome of his case at the European Court would set a precedent for the Supreme Court in Nicosia to follow. Bogdan Chain versus Adlanko originated at the District Court in Nicosia. Adlanko was represented by a lawyer named Achilles Dimitriades. He does not want to talk about the case. Bogdan was represented by a lawyer named Christophorus Christofi. We arranged to meet at his office in the Chapo Tower complex in the middle of the capital. Yes, hello, it's Frank Scholdeis here from RTE for Christophorus. Uh, I'm at the front. The way I understand it, Bogdan Chain v. Adlanco is an action against the company. But this isn't quite the way it's playing out. 
The legal team acting on Bogdan's behalf appears more focused on attacking the Cypriot government's decision to stop issuing work permits to the Irish company. This seems odd. Hello. Hello, Christophers. Hi, welcome. Hi, how are you? Good to meet you. You found your way after all. Yeah. yeah. Firstly, I want to know how Christophers Christophe ended up taking a case on behalf of a Polish man he never met. Our law firm was contacted by a law firm in Belgium. Uh, Lorenz Law Firm from Belgium. So that's the company in Belgium yes, who were directing into, into Lorenz Law Firm, yes. Uh, Bogdan um, worked in a number of uh, member states as an employee of Atlantgo between 2010 and 2012. Uh, obviously, the question that arises in this case is the social security and the coverage of the employee in case of accident, illness, and so forth. Okay. The Cypriot uh, Social Security Department refused to issue uh, the relevant certificate. As a result, Bogdan was not covered. Did you feel that you had built a good case on Bogdan Chain's behalf? That you had a good case against Atlanco? I wouldn't put it against At- Atlanco in this sense. We had a good case for our client to to clarify uh, where his social security benefits should be paid. Uh, and this was the object of the case. Basically, we attacked this denial of the Cypriot government based on the European regulation. But does that suggest your case is more against the government of Cyprus more than against the company? No, our, our, our interest as an employee is to know which of the two governments is obliged to provide social security. Uh, so just to be clear, you never got any document with Bogdan t- no, Chain's signature? No, 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 no. We never had uh, or any direct contact with uh, Bogdan himself. We got instructions from the law firm in Belgium that were the lawyers of Bogdan. Did they provide any information or any evidence that they had been authorised by Bogdan Chain. Did they provide anything to you by email, by post? No, I mean, apart from the correspondence that they represent this client, uh, I uh, they didn't provide any form of authorization. Is that normal? Well, it is normal in the sense that you get instructions from a law firm and uh, uh, it is assumed that they they are authorized to act on behalf of the client. And, uh, but in general, uh, it's a matter general, of trust. Yes. And it's a matter of practice between law firms. We made contact. Mm-hmm. I've made contact with Bogdan. Mm-hmm. He knows nothing about this case. Okay, so... He, as he maintains, he never gave permission. He gave mm-hmm. no consent and no authorization. Well, in such a case, then uh, this is extremely serious, and he should file a complaint to the Belgian Bar Association, because a lawyer cannot go around filing lawsuits in the name of anyone just like that. Yes, we're looking at the prospect of a case being decided where the the plaintiff actually knows nothing about it. Yes. You're surprised by this? Of course I'm surprised. I'm appalled. 
And I'm telling you, I, I don't want to believe that this is the case. Before leaving Poland, I had spent a second day with Bogdan and his family. With high unemployment among its skilled workforce, Stelova Vola had been a rich hunting ground for Atlanco. The company database includes 16 of Bogdan's neighbours, all living on the same street. Two of them agreed to meet up and speak on condition of anonymity. We came to Poland and they called us from Krakow. Z Polski. They called in, in order to make us to come to Krakow, sign the contract and go to work. Do you know where your social insurance was paid? Nie wiem. Doesn't know. Nie wiem. You don't know? And what sort of reputation do you think Atlanco has in town, in Stelova? In his opinion, not that good. The Atlanco Rymek Group had its headquarters on Rathmines Road in Dublin. The company was founded in 1994 by Michael O'Shea, originally from Kenmare but now resident in Switzerland. A former inter-county hurler with Kerry, Michael himself made the Irish Independent Rich List for 2014, described as a low-profile private equity baron whose wealth was valued at 65 million euro. The Atlanco Rymek Group last published its accounts 11 years ago with annual profits of 23 million euro. After that, accounts were moved offshore to Jersey. Hello? Hello, Bogdan? Hi. Okay. Last year, a spokeswoman told Ortiz Investigations Unit that the Atlanco Rymek Group had been sold to a non European international entity. Company records say Atlanco Rymek has since been dissolved. In July 2014, at a Westminster Select Committee hearing on blacklisting, the company and its founder were slated by union leaders for the type of records Atlanco Rymek keeps on its workers. What we know in summary about Atlanco Rymek, the most important thing about that is that they are contemporary blacklisters. In terms of, of what or who they are, so this company, uh, so the recruitment agency, they're a very large and sophisticated company. Um, which is made up of a, of a web of some 60-plus companies. I think it's probably around 70 to 80. It's run by a guy ultimately at the top called Michael O'Shea, uh, and its model basically is bidding uh, on contracts uh, at northern European prices and then employing labour on southern uh, and eastern European rates generally from, from those countries. Good morning. Last year, Ortiz Investigations Unit obtained internal records from the Atlanco Group. The company database holds details on over 50,000 workers, including worker number 501437, Bogdan Chain. OK, so this is a, a record on every worker, but this is the record on you. So here it says, Bogdan Chain, skilled worker, um, in Finland, mm -hmm. uh, ability good, mm -hmm. attendance good, mm -hmm. timekeeping mm -hmm. good, and attitude good. Mm -hmm. Next, this one is a, as a carpenter. Is this Belgium, maybe? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it says you are a very good carpenter with very good English. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 
<laughs> he is laughing about his good knowledge of English. <laughs> very so, good. Very good. Very good English. In other words, we must not believe every word we see here, but this is the record that the company had. Mm -hmm. But the most interesting one is the last one in 2013, Avenue 2 in Neuvingen in Holland. They say, no, no you are no good. <laughs> he is laughing in a way that suddenly he has forgotten all his skills. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently. Well, you went from excellent to yes, no good. Exactly. <laughs> For Bogdan, do you, what does this say about a company who keeps these records? Mm -hmm. What can I say? <laughs> Back in Cyprus, Christophorus Christophi is struggling to believe that he may have contributed to a case that never was. If we think uh, the other way around, why doesn't Bogdan do something? If, if we want to be objective, what does Bogdan have to lose in this case? I mean, he, he will not suffer any damage. He will not lose any rights that he otherwise did not have. Okay, but it, On the, uh, it's at the same time, choose to yes, enter into a case. Yes, yes, certainly, and I don't, I don't doubt that and aspect. He has not chosen that. I don't doubt that aspect of the case. Well, that's what he says. Yes, that is what he says. Yes, but, I mean, it's it's not for me to decide. Atlanco's office is on the Greek side of town. I go to Stravola Street and I'm directed to a modern building. Atlanco registered here in 2007 and processed thousands of EU work certificates to supply workers like Bogdan across Northern Europe. Well, this is the Atlanco office address in Cyprus, 89 Stravolus Avenue, office number 401. So we'll see if there's anybody at home. Just gone off the door. Nobody at home. Seems like they've gone. This was once a hugely profitable operation and still would be had the Cypriot Ministry not pulled the plug on access to cheap social insurance. Atlanco no longer has the high profile it used to have in Cyprus. But the Irish company did leave a mark here and its employment record has not gone unnoticed. European law expert and human rights lawyer Nicoletta Charlambidou has watched Atlanco's progress in Cyprus over the years. I caught up with her in a Nicosia cafe. Well, um, yes, I know about Atlanco and Ramek and um, I came across that case because his Bogdan Chain was a um, uh, Polish worker and uh, Atlanco was registered in Cyprus, but he was recruited in different member states other than Cyprus. So the question is, where is social insurance contributions paid? So in simple terms, it was too complicated for the district court. court in Cyprus, so they referred it to the European Court of Justice to make a ruling on it. Yes, uh, to interpret really the, the role of the Court of Justice of the EU is to interpret European Union law. Would the ruling have an application across the EU? Of course, it's binding on all EU member states to take it because there are two, two aspects in this case. One is migrant workers' rights 
but it's also significant from the economic aspect as well. It would regulate and it would clarify where social insurance contributions would pay. And it's no surprise that countries Finland, Norway, Sweden, Holland, Germany, they're all looking at this case because this could be the case to decide whether social insurance would be paid by migrant workers in the, when they are working in those countries or whether it can be diverted to cheaper economies like Cyprus. Yes, yes. That, that's why I'm sure that all member states will intervene uh, in this case because it's considered a landmark case. A landmark case. Yes. It would come as a surprise to Bogdan Chain to know he's at the centre of a landmark case because he doesn't know anything about it. Uh, <laughs> okay, I've never heard of this. As a lawyer, I'm in the profession for many years, and normally a party to a proceeding should know that they are a party to the proceeding and they give instructions to their lawyers and their legal representatives to represent them. So it's really strange that Bogdan Chain doesn't know that uh, he's a party to such a landmark case. <laughs> I'm a lawyer for many years, I've never heard of that. <laughs> It's very bizarre. You're laughing. Yes. <laughs> what else can you do? <laughs> Atlanco's legal advisor in Cyprus does not wish to discuss the case. Neither do former Atlanco staff on the island. I turn to Christophorus for answers. How bizarre is this? It is very bizarre. It's strange. It's... Um... I mean, if, if, if this is uh, if, if this happens on a regular basis, uh, I am I'm, I'm astonished. Well, this could not happen on a regular basis because it's a basic assumption of law that consent is given. Mm-hmm. The case could proceed at the European Court of Justice um, as though it's a legitimate case. Mm-hmm. Yes. And if it's not legitimate, which it would appear not to be a legitimate case. Mm -hmm. Going before the European Court of Justice, it would seem to me to bring the whole system in Europe into disrepute. Well, yes, I mean, I see your point of view. Had I not found Bogdan, he wouldn't have even known about the case. At this point, Nicoletta Charlambidou feels Bogdan's best course of action is to notify the European Court of Justice himself. One simple letter to the Court of Justice of the EU saying that I've seen my name in this thing and me, I've never initiated, I've never instructed, I don't know anything about this case, could trigger the whole process of investigating what happened. Backed into a corner, Bogdan makes the first move. With Isabella's help, he writes to the European Court of Justice to tell the court he did not authorise the case now before it. But to his dismay, the court seems determined to press ahead. A date is set, March 12th, 2015, case 18914, Bogdan Chain v. Atlanco. Isabella is not impressed. This is... Uh, you know, the European Union. So somehow there are some standards, yes, that should be, you know, followed and kept. And it's not a, you know, wild area in Europe where there are no laws and, you know, the the survival of the fittest. So then that is, in a way, pretty, pretty disappointing. Yes, that in a way that uh, the European Union is not that much different, you know, from from other um, political systems. Um, 
it's getting harder and harder to figure this out. We know that Bogdan Chain did not take Atlanco to court with a case that's in his name. Now we know that he never spoke to Christophorus, the lawyer representing him. And we know that Christophorus says he was instructed by Lorenz, a Belgian legal company. This leads to a huge complication. When I look into Lorenz, I'm stunned to discover that the Atlanco Rymec group was also represented by Lorenz. Could the same legal company in Belgium represent Bogdan and Adlanco, opposing parties in this case? I put this to Christophorus. But I didn't know that. Does that change things? Well, it changes things and it affects many aspects of the case. Uh, I will only speak theoretically because I don't know the facts. Uh, for example, in the, in the scenario that we are, uh, where you have Atlanco pursuing a claim on behalf of one of its employees without the employee consenting or knowing about this, just to uh, secure a favorable uh, judgment at the end of the day uh, for itself, this is very serious. Is that possible? That this is what we're looking at? I don't know. I mean, what is certain that it, is that things are not clear. I mean, th there are very serious questions unanswered for me. And uh, if that would take place in Cyprus, it would certainly be a serious violation of our uh, code of contact. So what next, Christophers? What's next with this? Well, as I told you, uh, we are watching the uh, progress of the case and see what the decision of the European Court will be and uh, in, inform the Cypriot Court. And uh, that will be the end uh, of the story for us. But it will not be the end of the story. After notifying the European Court, Bogdan gets an email from Christophorus Christophe. With Isabella's help, he replies on February 16, 2015, read here by a friend. Dear Mr. Christophe, thank you for your email. As this is the first time you contacted me and we have never been in any form of contact before, let me explain how surprised I was when I was... Two mails later, this leads nowhere. So Bogdan reports the matter to the Attorney General in Cyprus. He tells them this has all taken place without his knowledge. Even so, he is unable to stop the case going ahead in his name. With the hearing scheduled for the European Court of Justice in Luxembourg, the trail leads back to Brussels, home of the international legal firm Lorenz. Um, Lorenz, please. Fifth floor. OK, merci. Christophorus says he took his instructions for Bogdan from Lorenz, so I make an appointment with Lorenz managing director, Bert Thewis. Hello. Hello, Bert. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Thank you for making the time. Um, well, I'm going to be very blunt with you. I have bad news for you. Um, I cannot make any statements for you. So I'm going to have to ask you to uh, shut the recording devices off. Before I do that, uh, you can't speak about lockdown chains, case? No. No. It's because of the professional secret rules here in Belgium. I cannot discuss the merits of the case. 
you're no longer involved in the case. I am no longer involved in the case, not since uh, months now. When did you finish your connection with the case? Yeah, I don't have my agenda here with me, but we have not been involved. We have not been representing any more companies of that group for months now. Bert, this is where the confusion is. Okay. Because we have Atlanco on one side, which is what I think you're speaking about. Yeah. And on the other side, we have the Bogdan Chain representation. Yeah. The impression that I have from Christophorus Christophi is that you're representing Bogdan Chain. No. In the beginning, the, the case, as I understood it, was that Lorenz initiated the case on behalf of Bogdan Chain and then engaged with Christophorus Christophi in Nicosia to build the case at the district court level there and that Atlanco were represented by a separate lawyer in Nicosia. No, it's... Uh we are not involved in the case anymore. So you never represented Bogdan Chain. But I'm I'm not going to go into detail about that. But I'm not representing uh, I'm not representing Bogdan Chain. No, absolutely not. Berthuis ends the interview. So I can't get to ask him about correspondence I've seen, in which Lorenz states it is withdrawing from the case. I also want to ask him why, on the basis of what I've seen. Lorenz might appear to be involved on both sides of this case. Former Lorenz staff who worked on Bogdan Chain Vietlanco do not, or for reasons of client confidentiality, cannot discuss it with me. I request further information, but Berthuis is not available. My follow-up calls to Christophorus also go unanswered. Despite Bogdan going to the trouble of notifying them, the European Court of Justice sticks to the schedule. Case 18914 will be heard on March 12th. No effort is made to invite Bogdan to court. His presence is somehow not required. Neither, it seems, is his consent. We're here at the reception. You go through the security doors. You go upstairs, second floor. Uh, you pass the... I make my way to Kirchberg, just outside Luxembourg. The impressive complex is the heart of the EU legal system. But this morning, it is home to what appears like sham proceedings. And the, the more important is the number, C189-14. Perfect. OK, merci. Chris Fretwell has worked at the European Court for six years. He explains how the court interprets EU legislation so that it makes sense for all member states. If there's any confusion, this is the legal forum that's supposed to bring clarity. If there is a case pending in in a national court and the court is faced with questions of EU law, how to apply or interpret a directive, a regulation, whatever, it has the opportunity to ask questions of the Court of Justice, which is what's happened here. The Court of Justice answers those questions, gives the definitive interpretation of EU law and sends it back. The particular interest we have in the case is that the the person who actually the case is centred around, it's an, an individual called Bogdan Chain, mm-hmm. never took the case. I, I, I can't really say anything about that. Because it is, yes, that would be odd. Odd. That's uh, <laughs> what struck him also. And uh, he's actually in Poland, in southeastern Poland, wondering today... Why is this actually proceeding at all? A list appears in French outside La Grande Salle d'Audience Palais where case 18914 will be heard. So, the two principal parties, 
Mr. Chain at Atlanco. There was no response from Mr. Chain's lawyers. Uh, Atlanco told us that they weren't coming. So then you have the uh, the lawyers for Cyprus, which the first one's listed there. Okay. And then Belgium, the Czech Republic, as we said, Belgium, Czech Republic, Ireland. It was France. Uh, the Netherlands, Finland, Sweden, and then the Commission. And uh, Atlanco, they're not going to be represented? Uh, they do not wish to come to the hearing before the court. This is because prior to the hearing, there's been already a fairly lengthy written procedure. And if no one wants to turn up and speak directly to the court in person, that's fine. As long as the court has sufficient information and has no questions that it needs to ask the parties nice. in person, we can proceed without a hearing. You know, as far as this court is concerned, once a case has been lodged and it's admissible, we deal with it. Have you ever come across a case arriving here where it transpired that the appellant never actually took the case? Uh, no. Bogdan Chain v. Atlanco will be heard in a magnificent modern auditorium, its wooden panels embossed in gold. A school tour visits the court before proceedings begin. Then, at 9.30, the court stands for case 18914, presided over by five judges and the Advocate General. No recording is allowed. Translators line the court like match commentators, relating complex legal detail in a multiplicity of languages. Legal representatives from eight countries, including Ireland, declare their positions. I can't believe the case is actually going ahead. But it is. Bogdan Chain v. Atlanco has become a test case on social insurance for migrant workers within the EU. It boils down to economics whether weaker regulation for migrant workers helps the European market or not. <coughs> the EU Commission wants looser rules, while most of the member states want tighter controls. In the course of the hearing, Bogdan Chain is named several times as the person behind it all. Here in this vaunted chamber, it feels quite surreal to hear lawyers talk about him as the principal litigant. I'm certain I'm the only person in the room who ever met the man. The hearing takes less than two hours. The judges will retire to consider the arguments and the Advocate General will spend the next months putting together his judgment. Yet even at this late stage, all of this might come to nothing. There's been a lot of time and energy being put into this. That if it comes to the point that the, the court in Cyprus discovers that, in fact, there was an error or the appellant didn't actually take the case, at what point can they still withdraw it, or when is it too late? It can be withdrawn at any point up to the point where the, the Court of Justice has set a date for the judgment. Because it would seem like there is so much work and effort and resources have been put into this that the idea of, at the last minute, having to withdraw it would seem like an awful waste of time. Uh, yes, but that does happen. Um, it certainly wouldn't be the first time that a case has been withdrawn. Can't not proceed with the case just because there is a chance that it would be withdrawn, otherwise we would never do anything. Back in Nicosia, the case is finally withdrawn when Cypriot authorities examine the irregularities uncovered by this radio documentary. When Bogdan wrote to the European Court of Justice, 
they largely ignored his plea that this case had nothing at all to do with him. Afraid of what might happen, he then, with the help of European law expert Nicoletta Charles-Lambidou, wrote to the Attorney General in Cyprus, who took an altogether different view, withdrawing the Bogdan Chain v. Atlanco case and launching a criminal investigation. As a result, on the 11th of June 2015, a short order relating to Bogdan Chain v. Atlanco was issued by the European Court of Justice simply stating, the President of the First Chamber has ordered that the case be removed from the register. As part of the ongoing criminal investigation in Cyprus, legal representatives from both sides of the Bogdan Chain v. Atlanco case were called before the court. Documents were produced which show that the Belgian legal firm which Christopher said initiated the case was simultaneously reporting to the Atlanco Rymek Group. No evidence is produced in court to show Bogdan Chain ever authorised this action. But what about the Atlanco Rymek Group? Company founder Michael O'Shea was director and secretary of the group when Bogdan Chain v. Atlanco entered a Cypriot district court in January 2012. According to company records, Mr O'Shea stood down as director and secretary of the group almost two years later. Which leaves me with one last call to make. The Atlanco nameplate is no longer on the red brick wall in Rathmines, Dublin. In fact, the company dissolved on the 14th of January 2015, around the time I first met Bogdan. But Michael O'Shea still occasionally stops by here on trips to or from his residence in Geneva. The hard-working businessman has little enthusiasm for media interviews. Hello, Michael. Uh, Michael O'Shea, it's Frank, Frank Scholdice here from RTE Radio. Yeah. Um, I wanted to speak to you about the Atlanco case at the European Court of Justice. Uh, we have a PR agency in Higgins. Can you deal with us, please? Well, I'd rather deal with you. No, but they deal with that. It's a bit more direct. But they deal with that, so they're going to deal with it. Are you aware of the criminal investigation no, going on at the moment? because I don't own those companies. The man who was supposed to take the case against but, Atlanco, Bogdan Chain, he didn't take the case. It turns no, out that the case... Can you refer to no, Hennigan's like, PR agency? You may understand this better. The case was actually directed by Lorenz, which is Atlanco's lawyers in Brussels. I know nothing about it. I don't own the companies. Well, who was instructing Lorenz I if they were acting on behalf of Atlanco? I know nothing no, about it. You. you don't know anything about it? No. Bogdan Chain would like to know why was he picked for this? I had hoped for a fuller explanation from Michael O'Shea. I contacted Heenan's PR, who informed us that Michael O'Shea was not a director of Atlanco Rymek Group when the Bogdan Chain case was filed. Atlanco's own company records suggest otherwise. Heenan's added that Michael O'Shea is not aware of the Bogdan Chain case, nor is he aware of the criminal investigation arising from it, adding, there is no reason he should be, as it does not concern him. Interestingly, Heenahan's told us that they themselves made inquiries and found that Bogdan Chain was indeed aware of the case when it was filed. As a matter of course, I asked Isabella to put this once again to Bogdan. Once again, Bogdan said the first he heard about this case was when I told him in January this year. The case that never was has finally been brought to a close. 
The thing that's hardest to believe is how close, how very close, a European Court of Justice directive could have been issued from a bogus case, leading to a change in employment laws for millions of workers around Europe. Atlanco is no longer registered in Nicosia, and the company's legal action against the government of Cyprus came to nothing. The criminal investigation into how this case came into being is ongoing and may yet extend to Poland, Belgium and Ireland. That won't bring much consolation to Bogdan Chain, whose name appeared in lights at the European Court without his express permission. I recalled clearly 11 months back visiting Bogdan Chain, Barbara and Isabella at their home in southeastern Poland. Bogdan even produced a souvenir from a trip he made to Ireland many years ago. Now he's opening, you know, a bottle of Irish whiskey, Tullamore. He says that now because of the heart attack he cannot drink, but he can at least taste. I did not expect to come to Stelova and be drinking Tullamore Dew. <laughs> Today, Bogdan is still not in receipt of his disability pension. His paychecks show social insurance was deducted from his wages, but he can't get proof that it was paid to the relevant authorities. For this reason, his benefits, the Polish authorities tell him, are in limbo. Having supported his family all his life, he is now unable to work. His wife, Barbara, is now the family breadwinner. The surgery Bogdan hoped to provide for his daughter will also have to wait. In their seventh floor apartment in Stelova Vola, the man whose name almost made legal history is still counting the cost. Thank you.